The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibility. Responsible gaming resources. All right, Buffalo Bills fans, welcome to the latest episode of Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. Anthony Marino, happy to be here with you once again, talking everything Buffalo Bills and have a, a special guest in the house with me tonight. You all know him if you uh, are a fan of the Buffalo Bills and if you're listening to this podcast, I assume you are, but it's Del Reed, one of the co-founders of the Bills Mafia the president and founder of 26shirts.com. Dell, it's great to have you on the podcast. Special guest. I like that. I'm a special guest. Thank you for having me on. Listen, man, you are about as special as they come when it's, uh, you're talking about the Bills Mafia and just everything that takes place, bringing the fans together in, in so many different ways. Before we get started talking on a few other things, uh, I trust everything is well with you and the family and, of course, these uncertain times taking place right now. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Um, the, you know, my kids would probably disagree, but I have loved being at home with them for the past month and a half. Just the the four of us. I mean, I miss my, we visited like my parents and my wife's parents, like standing on the front lawn while they're on the porch and whatever. But um, I really enjoy this time for our little nuclear family to like bond and grow closer. And I think my kids are ready for it to end, <laughs> but um, you know, just try to take advantage you know, find the positives in every situation. So we've really used this time to grow closer together, which has been great. Well, I think for a lot of families, it has been a bit of that silver lining. You you get to spend that that extra quality time. Like you just said, I think my kids are ready to be done with, with us as well for a little <laughs> bit. But as we say to them all the time, if this is the, uh, the, you know, the worst thing that you have going on right now, then you're doing okay. Not so bad. You know, Dell, all the time too. When we kick off the podcast, we realize there's there's more important things going out and taking place in the world right now. And as we talk about you know, professional football, and we'll talk about some Marvel movies coming up in a little bit too. But you know, with all of that, the the work that you and the team do at 26shirts.com, obviously that is continuing right now, helping those families that are in need. Talk to me just about how things have changed for you there a little bit with everything that's been taking place. We know you have new designs coming out, and again, you're still helping those families. But uh, how has that kind of shifted for you and the team at 26 Shirts? Yeah, it's a lot different. I mean, right now, I mean, everybody is pretty much working from home. And aside from when the shirts get delivered, um, I, you know, I go into the office just myself, and then I'll ship them. You know, after they've been sitting for a couple of days, I kind of let them sit and, you know, just make sure everything's like, you know, you know, we try to stay on top of, on top of disinfection and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit different. I miss working with my, you know, my, my fellow employees and, um, that part kind of sucks. Sometimes I'll just FaceTime Josh, our creative director, just randomly, just like, Hey, just want to say hi, miss you, <laughs> you know? Um, right. but yeah, so, I mean, we're pretty much a full-time work from home operation here aside from, you know, when I have to get stuff shipped out to customers, but outside of that, it's, it's pretty, you know, normal. I mean, our mission has not stopped. You know, we we still exist to help people through cool Buffalo themed designs. And, you know, you know, our customers have, you know, pretty much remained faithful and understanding of the fact that it might take a little bit longer than normal to get shirts out to them. Because right now, you know, in terms of fulfillment, it's a one man operation. Now, when you talk about the the work that you do in the creative design, and this ties in right as we transition to the the conversation around the draft a little bit, 
you know, you, you, you go through the NFL draft for so many fans. We look forward to that, that weekend, right? Seeing who the newest members of the Bills were. And it seems like about four minutes after the picks are made, at least for AJ Epinesa and Jake Fromm from Georgia, you have these t-shirt designs already up and ready to go <laughs> from a creative standpoint. I mean, was it something that you're almost looking and saying, Hey, if, if we draft one of these two players, we've got, you know, something like this in mind, but, but really how does it come together that quickly? Especially when, you know, you're talking about the draft, it's things are moving quickly. How did that happen for you guys to, to happen so quick? Yeah, we definitely don't plan ahead. I mean, a couple of years ago we had a design done for every possible quarterback. The bills could have drafted, um, and there's some really cool stuff sitting in one of our Dropbox folders of, you know, what if Baker Mayfield had been drafted by Buffalo or what if, you know, Sam Darrell, we had some really cool designs that we never got to use, but um, that was the one time we really ever planned ahead because I, I mean, everybody knew that Buffalo was drafted a quarterback, but you know, in terms of this draft and past drafts, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where, um, player gets drafted and you kind of I'm not good at much in life I'll be honest like I don't have a lot of great skills I, I mean like I've, I I feel like I'm doing what you know you know maybe God preordained I, I should do because I'm good at coming up I somebody some people would disagree <laughs> um I can come up with like you know like wise cracks and one-liners and puns and stuff like that so um it was a little difficult with, with the I mean obviously the Jake Fromm shirt designed itself but um, you know, a player gets drafted and you start like saying his name over and over again and coming up with stupid puns. And, you know, 95% of this business is just throwing st stuff against the wall and finding out what sticks, you know? So, um, it's a fun process to do though, come up with different, you know, ideas and, and puns and much like the, the quarterback one I just mentioned, uh, a minute ago, there's a lot of designs that are sitting, uh, in the Dropbox folder just cause they weren't. You know, once they got done, you're like, oh, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> We're not going to sell it. But, um, but yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question or not. Really, it is just like coming up with clever puns. And people are so excited about, you know, uh, what this season, assuming it all kind of goes off without a hitch or whatever it ends up looking like, people are justifiably very excited for the, this team to take the field. So even though it was a second-round draft pick, and normally we wouldn't go in that direction. We decided let's just do it. People are excited, you know, and you know, so people seem to like that one. So that was good. Dell, as you tell us that you have designs for all the other quarterbacks in the 2018 draft, at some point, I think you're going to start to get pressure from people to like, <laughs> you know, you talk about the Justice League, League movies and everyone says, you know, release the Snyder cut. Yeah. It's going to be like, Release the Baker Mayfield Buffalo Bills shirt. Like, just the design, just so we can see what you had in mind at some point. I think you might get a little pressure for some of those, just, uh, you know, just for some of those fan moments. Just being curious, just to see what you had in mind for, for all those different designs. It is funny. We um, had a design that we had, we put it all together. This is going way back to this is back when, um, Petten was the defensive coordinator and Ryan Talbot uh, had this cool idea of doing the Petten zoo. And uh, okay. we had an artist, I think it was, I think it was, uh, I think it was Jordan who put it together for us. We had an artist put together. It was a really cool design of like three animals wearing like different jerseys, one for each person on the defense. And uh, it was really cool. We never got to do it because he ended up going to Cleveland for like a year, but uh, we, so we never got to release that. And so I shared that on Twitter, like after he took the job in Cleveland and people were like, Oh no, that was great. It was a really cool design. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things that, you know, we have Snyder cuts and, and Abrams cuts and all that, you know, sitting there that maybe someday, you know, we'll release just for fun for people to see. Um, but yeah, so we actually have a design that we released. I, I mean, I, I showed, uh, I think it was on, I did it on, um, March 10th. Cause everybody was calling that Mario day, you know, uh, super Mario or right, whatever. Right. And so I, I shared a Super Mario design that Dave Servey put together for us, for Mario Williams, that we just never got around to releasing. And people were like, I would still buy that. And so you might see that in the next you know month or two, redone a little bit with a different flair. But people seem to like the idea. So um, sometimes we'll release those and people like them enough. And we, that gives us the, uh, the idea to maybe rework it so it's still kind of relevant. Well, Dell, and it's funny as you were talking about the Petten Zoo design that you mentioned, Ryan Talbot. 
and I'm not sure if you remember this piece or not, but you were actually the guy that kind of gave me a start with at least this blogging, podcasting side of things. Back in the day, I had done maybe a fan post here at buffalorumblings.com, and I had shared it on Twitter. And you uh, you read it, and you responded and said, if you know, you'd ever be interested in writing for BillsMafia.com, would love to have you. And I was just like, hey, that would be great. <laughs> and you know, the next thing I know, I'm I'm writing for the site. I remember I would email you articles, and Ryan would be the editor and doing work then. But then we did our first um, series of Bill's Mafia video podcast, and we only did it on video because we had no idea how to do a podcast without video. And we just did YouTube live and we would actually record them um, back in the day. But with so much of it, you were kind of that, that first person that said, you know, Hey, rather than just being someone on you know message boards and tweeting things out, you know, why don't you kind of put your name on this a little bit and, and have a little bit of a platform. So I don't think I ever officially thanked you, at least not all these years later, but as you mentioned, Ryan, it, it brought back some pretty, uh, fond memories to, to say the least. Yeah, that was fun um, when Ryan was running it and everything. And of course, Robin does a great job now. Um, but uh, I remember Ryan, I kind of, I think I've talked about this on some podcast somewhere with him. Um, I actually kind of like, <laughs> was putting out like these really, maybe they're obvious feelers trying to get him to become the editor in chief when the person before him uh, stepped down. And uh, I said, hey, do you have any ideas of who could be a, a good editor-in-chief? And he's like, well, I might be interested. So it was kind of funny. But, um, yeah, he's, he's great. And you, you always did a great job there. And you do a great job with rumblings. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun to have played a small part in, in that. Well, Dell, it's funny because earlier you said, oh, I'm not good at anything. But I, I think, you know, you're being a, a bit humble there because, right, you look at the way that you – have brought a community together of Bills fans in a productive and positive way when there's not always productive and positive things going out there. But I think back to something you had put out, I believe it was on Twitter not too long ago. And uh, I don't know about you, but I felt a bit of a sigh of relief when Andy Dalton signed with the Dallas Cowboys (laughs) instead of the New England Patriots. And I I say that though, in all seriousness, right? Because like many Bills fans, I have a a soft spot for, for Andy Dalton. For the, you know, of course, the the win over the Baltimore Ravens that ended the drought for the Bills and, and put them into the playoffs in 2017 and the fond memories with that. But it was like, man, as, as all of this was taking place and you looked at this offseason, there was so much talk about Dalton going to the Patriots and this and that. And listen, I'm confident enough in what the Bills are and what they did last season and all of these pieces. But just as I consider myself a fan of Andy Dalton. I didn't want to see it happen. And I'm curious because you got to do some work with him around this and, you know, uh, supporting his foundation and the work that the Bills fans were doing. But, I mean, tell me what was going through your head when you saw that he signed with the Cowboys. But, again, all the speculation that he would have ended up in New England. Yeah, I mean, I, I put that tweet out, you know, as a joke, really. Um, I didn't know what would happen with where he would sign or end up. And granted, I am – the farthest thing from a Cowboys fan, but I'd rather him sign with a team that the bills aren't going to have to go head to head against for at least three years. I think he's only signed a one year deal anyways, but still um, glad that we don't don't have to face him just because of all the good memories and good vibes that, you know, bills fans, you know, like you and I have uh, just for about how, you know, his legacy in Buffalo. (laughs) Um, But, and then also the more podcasts I listened to, it seemed like a lot of people were poo pooing the idea of that ever happening anyways, him going to New England, that is, um, only because, you know, they're so cash-strapped and a lot of people seem to think that Bill Belichick wants to um, either – he's got a kind of like – he's kind of got a pass this season, you know, not to get too yeah. too into the weeds on that subject. But it's interesting to me, though, how, how Belichick really can't lose. I mean, he's going to start Jared Stidham, most likely it looks like, and – if he does well, then that only looks great for Bill Belichick, like where he says, see, I didn't need Tom Brady. It's, it's I'm the genius here and I can win with anybody or Stidham right. flames out and Hoyer flames out. And um, I think the book's already written on Hoyer pretty much, but like, you know, that whole situation flames out and he's like, well, what do you want? Tom Brady left, you know, then he gets a high draft pick and he could pick, you know, the kid from Clemson or whatever. So um that, that, that kind of fascinated me. But, yeah, with Andy Dalton, it's like, dude, stay out of the division. 
stay on. We have a hard enough time in our hearts navigating everything with Ryan Fitzpatrick having played with the Jets and now with the Dolphins. Like, don't add another layer of complication into this division, please, when it comes to our rooting interests. I got you there. I truly do. Now, Dale, you said something before. You know, you talk about the state of the Bills, right? And you think to two years ago, the Bills draft Josh Allen. Plenty of questions around him as a quarterback, right, coming out of Wyoming at the time to think where the team is now. And and talk to me a little bit, right, again, just kind of as the your perspective, where things are. I mean, are you at that point where you just think to yourself like, hey, you know what, the, the bills are good and, and I can accept that. And, you know, when things come about, I can feel confident in where the team is or, you know, are you at that point where it's just like, listen, man, I've been I've been scarred enough over these years past. Like, I feel OK but I'm not quite there yet. I mean, I'd always, I always appreciate your take because you've always, you know, got a, a sense of optimism to you. And, and I would just love to get your thoughts there. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, my, that's, how do I articulate this? Well, my brain says the bills should be a Super Bowl contender this year. You know, they should be in the, they, sh- they should be in the conversation into the, you know, the conference championship or whatever. I mean, I know that Kansas city, Baltimore are two big hurdles right now in terms of getting to the Super Bowl. But the way that they've built this roster, I mean, the only potential for um, weakness, I think, is is at quarterback. And I'm not slamming Josh Allen at all. I'm just saying, like, they have built that offense around him. The defense is in great shape, you know, based on – how, you know, I didn't know what it was going to be like with when, with Lorenzo leaving and, you know, uh, Shaq Lawson and, 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 and Jordan Phillips. But um, they've really done a great job keeping this defense together. And it feels weird having said that. So I say my brain says the Bills should be in the conversation as a Super Bowl contender. Um, but then my heart is like, uh, I, I, there's so much scar tissue, you know, to get through. But, like, sure. I'm trying – but these aren't – no, nobody on this roster went seven and nine every year with Dick Durant. Nobody on this roster, <laughs> you know, underperformed with Chan Gailey. Yeah, nobody on. Yeah, I, I can just keep going on and on. Nobody on this roster, you know, um, flamed out with Greg Williams. You know what I mean? So, it, it, all this scar tissue I have, it's not fair to project that onto somebody like. Deion Dawkins or Cole Beasley or John Brown or, you know, whomever, you know what I mean? Because the the whole roster has completely flipped. And even since Rex, I think, is Jerry Hughes, correct me if I'm wrong, is Jerry Hughes the only player on the roster that was here when Rex Ryan was the coach? I'm pretty sure. I think so. I think he is the only holdover at this point. I think so. There might be somebody listening to the podcast right now saying, no, they're the name of the one specific person. But, like, I think Jerry Hughes is the only guy left over. I mean, Shaq's gone now. So anyways, so this is a completely different football team from the front office down to the practice squad. And really what it's going to come down to is can Josh Allen continue to progress? He had 2018 was better for him than 2000. I'm sorry. 2019 for him was better than 2018. And is 2020 going to be better than 2019. That's what we have to see. You know, as soon as he can start hitting those long balls downfield, I think, Felt like he only hit like one or two the entire season. Um, this team is ready to go. I feel, I feel like they just like you look at how they've built this offense around him. All he needs to do is take the net, the next step in his progress, and this team is legit. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. I have faith that he, you know he can be that guy. You know I really do. Um, and so I'm I'm really looking forward to this season you talk about the state of the bills like they're in the best not only are they on the the upswing but it would seem that the new england is on a downswing jets can't get their act together and my miami's not done with their overhaul yet so i mean i feel like the division is here for the taking they should absolutely be considered the favorites to win the division and then based on a couple matchups however that uh, plays out in the playoffs uh who knows what the future holds for this team, but it is brighter now than it has been since 1999. Since you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited to, to see this team take the field. 
And of course, when you, of course, there's a, a, a stupid pandemic. <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's almost like a cruel joke. Like New England's out of the way, and then like, but nature's like ah ah ah. So I don't know, man. But Not just yet, yeah. But you know, it's interesting too when you you talk about and, and for me, right? Like we can talk about players on the roster, all of those pieces, but it always comes back to Sean McDermott as the coach. And probably even to a greater extent now, Brandon Bean is the general manager, right? And mm-hmm. like with the, the draft taking place not too long ago, right? I was looking back at some of the Bills' past drafts, right? Because it's almost you're thinking, okay, you don't have that first round pick. What have the Bills done in the past with their second round pick? And it's like I start to look through, and again, right? I, I don't want to pile on guys that, you know, things didn't work out for them, but you think 2016. Reggie Ragland, 2015, Ronald Darby, 2014, Cyrus Quanjo. Um, you know, 2013, they did okay with Robert Woods and Kiko Alonso, you know, in 2012 with Cordy Glenn. But then you go back and, you know, you see Terrell Troop's name pop up. You see just all these different pieces where you think to yourself, and it's just like, my God, the Bills just did not draft well for a long period of time as you look through with so much of this. And now you've got a general manager in Brandon Bean, who at least has hit on his last two drafts from what we've seen so far. Even that 2017 draft, right, where it seemed like Sean McDermott was at the helm with Tredavious White, Zay Jones, Deion Dawkins, Matt Milano, you know, with so much of it, there's just, I don't, I don't know if I'm giving Bean too much credit because is this what it's just like to have a first-class front office that so many NFL franchises do, but just what they're doing, you've got this sense of confidence, right? When you go into free agency or you go into the draft. And and honestly, until recently, I haven't been used to knowing what that feels like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I did a, I did a, um, like a, a, a panel with Jerry Sullivan a couple of years ago. And uh, I think it was Adam Benini was the other guy. I think it was Adam Benini. And uh, I think it was going into 2018, and, and and Sully said, you know, Bills fans are they're so excited just because they have two real NFL, you know, people in charge of the franchise now. And I was like, and I remember I looked right up, like, and I said, yes, we are excited that we have two competent NFL types in the front office, you know, head coach and general manager now because we're not used to that. We're always getting like everybody's got an asterisk or somebody's been you know employed like. You know the Peter Principle. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Like it's it's the whole idea of like everybody is eventually promoted to their optimum level of inefficiency, and so it always felt like the Peter Principle was always working with the Bills. Um, so to have a general manager who's supposed to be a general manager and a head coach who's supposed to be a head coach, you know, with no other, you know, there was no cost cutting measures and there was no, you know, weird caveats that that go along with their employment. Um, yeah, that's a big deal. It's great. You know. It, it, you talk about like some of these drafts in the past and I remember like it was like the late two thousands. It seemed like they would only draft guys from like division two schools or like these really small schools. And I was just like, and then they went so heavy in another direction. Um, it just feels now that like it really is. an It just, I don't say awesome, but it's just a very competent operation they have in place now. Um, and you know, Brandon Bean, it's fun to watch how he works. He's not afraid to, to trade, you know. And in today's, you know, NFL fan, we've all played Madden. We all play fantasy football. We love trades. We love movement. We love seeing that kind of thing. It was kind of weird this year to not see that happen. But but even then, though, there that did happen. Everybody keeps saying he didn't make any trades. He did. He got Stephon Diggs. He traded his first-round pick for an, an elite NFL-caliber receiver. So um, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm kind of ranting, but – um, I'm just going yeah, on a tangent, okay. but like it's really, um, it's really exciting to see a, a team, a roster, be put together. Like have thought, you know, they they've put thought in this for the past three years, how they want to build this, this team, and now they're there. You know, they had to go through salary cap jail and everything, you know, take their lumps in terms of you know getting rid of Watkins and Darius and all that. But like, they've taken their lumps, and now the roster is where they want it to be to the point now where all most of this draft was the whole back end of this draft was all like nice to haves. I mean, they drafted sure. uh, 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 a projected 
you know, career backup quarterback. They they drafted a kicker. They you know back to back. Those two picks alone show them like uh, it's almost like they're playing with found money at this point. It feels like. Well, and it's so different too. And we said this before. Usually, you go into the draft right, and you think again when the Bills took Josh Allen, like oh my gosh, you 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 need a quarterback. There's nothing you can't not draft a quarterback. Same thing with the EJ Manuel year. You even look to last year, and it's just like. It's got to be, you know, a defensive tackle or an offensive tackle with the first round. And they address both of those positions with their first two picks. You, you just get to that point where then all of a sudden this year, it's like you can go in a lot of different directions, but it's not that you have to do something or else. And the Stefan Diggs trade really allowed them to do that, too. I mean, you in essence, and I know for many, right, you trade away a first round draft pick, you, you lose some of the excitement around the draft. But with that being said, to bring in a bona fide number one receiver, I don't I don't know too many people that could really complain about that. Oh no, not at all. That was I mean, right after that Houston game in January, that it was so obvious that that was the number one need on the roster was getting a true number one wide receiver, and they did. They got it. You know, they, so um, for me, that was the most obvious for me and everybody. That was the, the most obvious need was that they had a lot of great a lot of guys who were, you know, great number twos or number threes, but we didn't have that premier, elite number one receiver. And now, that that player's on the roster, and so, going back to what I was saying a few minutes ago, this Josh Allen has been given every tool necessary to succeed. So it really is like, this is his team. This is. This is his opportunity now to show that he deserves that fifth-year option and that second contract. Now, Dell, you, you, we kind of joked about this before, right? Tom Brady's out of the division now. The Bills are, you know, a perennial playoff team. The arrow is pointing up, and now we've got this national pandemic, right, that mm-hmm. we're dealing with right now. Uh, the NFL, Brian McCarthy, works in vice president of communications for the league, came out last week and said, you know, the schedule should be released sometime by May 9th. Things starting again, right? That weekend after Labor Day in uh, September, Super Bowl scheduled for February 7th in Tampa. You know, not that any of us have the answers or any sort of crystal ball, but I mean, what do you think football is going to look like this year, at least when it comes to the fans and, and being able to attend games or just where is your head at with with all of this? Man, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea <laughs> what is gonna what it's going to look like. For all we know, there won't be any fans in the stands. You know, uh, right. and honestly, I think I speak for ninety nine percent of the population. It, especially now at this point, it's like okay, that's fine. Just play the games. Just give me something to watch. I, I need you know. I, I need it. I need it. Um, right, but. Uh, who knows what it's going to be like? I mean, not even speaking of sports, but who knows what the world is going to be like in September, much less, you know, uh, New Era Field. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, you, we'll, you read all these different news reports, and it seems like it's a different thing every day that they're telling us. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe stadiums can only be filled at half capacity or if, you know, people have to, you know, so that it has to be like space in there or something. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. But, you know, I'm glad that they're choosing to move forward. And if there's any giant monster corporate entity that, that can pull it off, it's the NFL. So, uh, I mean, come hell or high water, I fully believe that games will be played this fall on the schedule that they released this week. I just don't know what it's going to look like in terms of fans being present or, or how those fans are required to to enter the stadium or how to behave while in the stadium. There's, I mean, you, you see so many different articles and headlines about like, Oh, they'll be taking temperatures as you enter, or they can scan this or they can scan this with drones. I was reading today. They can scan temperatures with drones. So um, never mind the fact that coronavirus is, appears to be most um, contagious before the symptoms actually appear. So that's scary enough. But um, so who, I mean, who knows? I, 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 that's such a tough answer question to answer and I, I you probably expected something like this as a reply but i expected you to have it all figured <laughs> out so i'm a little disappointed that that's uh, i apologize that's i'll went. work on that invite me back next week i'll have it all figured out all right well that that part is good to know but 
you know, I think with so much of it too, right? And as we we talk about it and, and kind of tease this earlier, right? Transition the, the conversation a little bit. You 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 think right? The ability and what that will look like to to be with a crowd again. And you know, as you talk about and you think about this, like you have no idea what it's going to look like from that standpoint. And not that you want to trivialize things, right? This is a, a national worldwide pandemic taking place. And here we are, we're talking about football. And now I transition to the movie conversation, right? Because it's <laughs> like, you think of the things that, that I love most, right? It's the Buffalo Bills football and, and going to the movies, right? Like these family type activities mm-hmm. that we do and that we rally behind. And I was having a conversation with my wife the other day. And I said, you know, could you imagine if this was last year? She's like, why do you say that? I'm like, well, we wouldn't have been able to see Endgame. And, you know, again, right, it's like you think back to a year ago, this memorable experience with your family, 10 years of watching movies to get up to this point. And then you're really coming to that, let's just call it the final chapter of this book. And what it would have been like to say, oh, yeah, this has got to be postponed for another year or whatever it may be. And, you know, you just kind of stopped and you, you thought about that for a second, right? And so many people were were sharing different clips online of reactions from audiences. The Russo brothers were, uh, you know, they were live tweeting, you know, as they were watching it with fans at different points. And you just think like this was was one of those events that was this culmination for so many people across the country. And, oh, man, what would it have been like if that type of situation, right? And and I was curious to get your thoughts on on that before we kind of take a look back with some of the stuff from the, the movie. But is that something that had run through your mind as well? Yeah, somebody tweeted that over the weekend. Imagine if this was last year and Endgame was postponed. I, I said, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. Yeah, having looked right. forward to that movie for, uh, you know, as long as we all did to have to wait. <sighs> Man, I don't know. I don't even want to think about it. It's just, it's crazy. That would have been unbearable. And I say that 100% with no hyperbole. That would have been unbearable, terrible. Uh, I'm glad we don't have to find out what that would feel like. Well, and when you do look back at it, right? So here, Dell and I were recording this on May 4th, right? So no, no coincidence there. This didn't happen because this way. Um, it's also the eight year anniversary from when from when the first Avengers movie came out. And, you know, I'm curious as you look back at that and you think of that time right yourself, like, did you ever think that it would become this type of pop culture phenomenon over this period? Or was there a certain point where you realized this is something that's right? Think this generation's Star Wars trilogy, right? At least for the initial trilogy that took place. I mean, just as a as a fan i mean talk to me about that just a little bit yeah no i did not think uh i had never thought that and i don't think it even really started to resonate with me until like the trailers for infinity war started to show up that it was like okay this is all i mean and and seeing like the guardians of the galaxy in that trilogy i was like oh my gosh okay they're really bringing it all in they're bringing it all into one thing and uh and for a long time, like I'm on record with some of my friends for actually resenting how all the movies depended on each other. Because I, I remember I, there would be times that I would say, I should be able to see an Avengers movie and not have to know what happened to S.H.I.E.L.D. Like I see this movie because I missed the, I wasn't as into it as I've been gotten into it the past couple of years. And I remember complaining like, I, I go to see Ultron and they're talking about how S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist anymore. I'm like, what the heck happened to S.H.I.E.L.D.? And that's because I didn't see, you know, Civil War at that point. And so... Uh, it, it, it's it's just it, it's just amazing how they have put this entire saga together. Twenty three movies or whatever it is, um, and they all tie together. Some better than others, but they all tie into the same epic storyline. And it, it, it's something that, to me, is just such an amazing feat for Hollywood to be able to pull something like this off. When you think about how um, just all the egos that are involved, and, and, and you know, and all of the money that it takes to, to to bring all these people in, like you look at that end, the end of Endgame, and you look at everybody that's sitting there at 
Tony Stark's house and the, the amount of Hollywood power that is there all collected in that scene. It's just amazing that they're, that they were able to pull that off. And I guess it's only because it's Disney speaking of giant corporate monsters, like we did about the NFL a few minutes ago, <laughs> but it, it's just absolutely mind blowing when you think about how they were able to pull that feat off. It's never been done and it probably will never be done again. You know, uh, You've seen other entities like Warner Brothers with their DCEU try to put something similar together with Justice League and just fall flat on their face. And it's such a huge endeavor. And I think a lot of the credit goes to Kevin Feige, who has put together the entire MCU. He's kind of like overseen it all. Um, and when you have you know, boards, boards of directors and you have you know, stockholders who are all in these other studios d determining what's going to happen when and how it's going to fit together. Instead of just giving one guy the reins and say, okay, make it work, then you're going to have these disjointed messes um, like the DCEU, for example. Um, so it's just, it's just amazing that they've been able to pull this off and that it all works so well. It's it just, I, I could go on forever and I'll, I'll spare the listeners, you know, that headache, but, or that boredom. If they're even still listening, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's it just, it, it, it's amazing what they put together. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Is there a film in the MCU that stands out to you? And right, an under, I guess you could say, in an underrated way. Not the, you know, of course, it could be easy to pick Endgame, Infinity War, the original Avengers. I mean, any of the ones that had the monstrous, monstrous expectations going into it. But from your standpoint that you just looked at and said, you know what, this one maybe didn't get the credit that it deserved or you just take a look at it that, you know, to you really, really stood out amongst the rest. I think Guardians of the Galaxy 2 um, doesn't get enough credit because I've, heard, I've seen a lot of people say that how it's not as good as the first Guardians and how, you know, Ego is a, a, a lousy villain and, and all these things. But you look at that movie and you look at the character arcs that they were able to take these characters through you know they're just a bunch of screw-ups who kind of come together in the first movie but then you look at how um all the characters they basically have like they all grow and they all the, it's just i think james gunn did an awesome job with that movie and you look at everything from yondu to even to to, 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 to quill the you know the obvious but you know groot like all of that like it's just the way that they take those characters and they're able to grow i think is it's something else you know and i think that it doesn't get enough credit and it's often thrown into the conversation with like oh it's just as bad as you know dark world or uh iron man 3 and i think it's unfair because i think james gunn did an amazing job with the characters uh in that movie that's a good answer that's not where i thought you were going to go with it and i i think that was a uh a, a great a great choice in many ways because i think as you talk about it you can look back to so much of the MCU and you would think, okay, maybe even if you didn't read the comics or weren't a fan, you knew who Iron Man was or Captain America or Thor. Guardians of the Galaxy, people had no idea who they were even coming into it. And, you know, you've got a, a kick-ass trailer that comes out, right? People see Chris Pratt and you realize like, wait, that's Andy from Parks and Rec. <laughs> and, you know, it's got a talking raccoon in a tree. And and here it is, not just, you know, with the first movie, but the second of how it all comes together in just a, a genuine way. Uh, I think that's a great, great choice. Now, I think I know how you'll answer this question, 
but I'm going to ask it anyway, just for the listeners. But I mean, is there that one Captain movie? America when he got the or, hammer? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what, right, the, the one moment. Um, sorry. Yes. Well, why don't you just, no, just go <laughs> ahead with it. Right. Because I think in so many ways, right. You can think to yourself, there, there's not a whole lot that will truly surprise you in the movies anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's just, you see enough of them. You're a part of Hollywood. Maybe it's like, Hey, it's a twist. It's a turn. You didn't, completely see it but not something that that gets you in that way talk to me about that scene for you and and just kind of that experience because i i think it's something that always uh stands out to many and i know it surely does for you yeah so okay so i'm also a a big star wars fan although anybody who follows me on twitter knows that i'm very vocal about how mcu has taken over for star wars like in my heart of hearts but um i when the prequels were coming out i used to uh read all about what was going to happen so that to the, you know there was no surprises like when i mean to this day my wife will tell you how she resents me for telling her that yoda was going to pull out a lightsaber in attack of the clones so we go to see it at midnight <laughs> and literally everybody in the audience is like oh my gosh and then she just looks at me like thanks for that you know uh, but from that moment on i've kind of you know i've really taken it to heart not to read spoilers i try to stay as ignorant as possible so i did not see that moment coming uh, and when, when that happened, when you see the, the, the hammer hover and you think, okay, Thor is going to get him. And then it goes to Captain America. Like I, I am not unique in saying this, you know, I lost my mind. Like I, <laughs> yeah, because after Ragnarok, Thor became like my favorite character. But before that, Captain America was always one of my favorite characters. Um, so for the two, those two entities to kind of come together, I just, I, I, absolutely lost it and it was so much fun going to see that movie in the theaters the day it came out it was such a cultural event i always say it was like going to a like a bills game except everybody was on you know everybody was cheering for the same team you know it wasn't like you had and there was no jets fans behind me or patriots fans in front of me or whatever um, everybody was cheering for the same team and it was just so loud even to the point where like right as the movie began there was somebody down in front and goes all right let's do this and like Normally in the movie theaters, you're like, dude, shut up. But everybody was like, yeah. It was like, everybody's like, starts clapping just as it begins. Um, it was such an awesome moment. And to be able to share it with a room full of like three, 400 strangers um, who were all just as excited about it as I was, was great. Even to the point where like, like the portals are opening up and, you know, like different characters are coming through and like, you know, Tom Holland, Spider-Man comes out. I remember like we're, every character that comes out, we're all cheering as if they're actually there on stage and they can hear us. You know, it was, it was ridiculous. Um, but such a great, you know, it's such a great moment. Such a, that, that whole battle is great. That whole movie is great. The whole movie is done as one big fan service. And a lot of times, almost every movie you ever see that goes the whole fan service route kind of gets it wrong and ruins it. But I really feel like the Russo brothers did such a great job of like, all right, you just, you just, you guys just went through twenty-two movies with us or twenty-one, whatever it was, um, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna pay you back for it now. And I thought it was kind of funny that they they focused so much on Dark World, which is often considered the worst movie in the entire MCU. I mean, some movies got it. Somebody's got it. Someone's got to hold that mantle, right? So it's. Th- typically considered to be dark world and the fact that they even like paid tribute to that i I thought it was great i I just i'll go on and on and on if you want me to like i just thought the movie was great that the build-up was great um even to the point where like they jump ahead five years didn't see that coming it was it was great and they worked in all the different characters rocket talking to ant-man it was just it was great i loved it (laughs) well and you almost you just didn't know how it was going to work Right. Because I think when you looked at Infinity War and you went to that one, it was just not even so much the fan service side of things, but you knew like they're all coming together in this movie. And maybe not everyone came together, but you're bringing together these different fractions. You also knew that it wasn't going to end on a positive because the the other movie was coming out a year later. Mm -hmm. Right. But it was going to be, oh my gosh, you know what? We're going to see Doctor Strange and Wong, and there they are with, you know, Robert Downey Jr. and Mark Ruffalo, or you're going to see that first interaction when it's, you know, Tony Stark and Spider-Man and Strange, and they're with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And, and literally just seeing that talent on the screen together 
was almost enough to just make it work, right? Regardless of what was happening. And then you get to the end of the movie, and I still remember my youngest standing up as the credits started to roll. And she just goes, what the heck? <laughs> you know, she was six years old at the time and was just, you know, thinking to herself, like, that's not how the movie is is supposed to end. But to your point, Endgame had the opportunity to bring it all together, to to close a lot of those loops, to 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 have the fan service moments, as you say, but not to do it in a way that's so over the top, that's so cheesy. Like, sure, if you want to poke some holes in some things, can you? But that's not my, you know. I don't look for Marvel movies to be overly realistic. Like that's not a, I don't think that's the intention No, when you're supposed to <laughs> go see these. And it, it's so much fun because you kind of grow into that too. Like you watch the first Iron Man and it is so gritty. It, it feels like a 2008 movie in terms of like the setting, like, oh, we're going to Afghanistan. We're going to the Middle East. That's where the bad guys are. Like so many of those movies in the 2000s following like 9-11, you know, and it was such a, like a grounded movie right. in that, in that sense. And then you fast forward to the end and you have Tony Stark telling Peter Parker, "Oh, that guy's from space, and he came to, here to steal a necklace from a wizard." And it all makes <laughs> it all makes sense, you know. It's like, oh, of course, yeah. That's it. you know. It, I think that was a really that one line in Infinity War. I really feel was like a fun way to say, like, look how far we've come. You know, it's 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 a lot of fun. Well, and and before I let you go, so let me ask you this question: Where do you think it goes? Right? I mean, now we're at this point, and I don't mean that with you know, release dates being pushed back or pieces like this, but I would find it hard to believe that Marvel would just do standalone movies from here on out without leading to some sort of culmination. I mean, in, in your opinion, right? Like what is the face of this franchise going to be now that at least, you know, your two most recognizable and Iron Man and Captain America have stepped away and obviously Robert Downey Jr. And Chris Evans. Yeah. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see because, um, what the MCU has done so well is they've mimicked comic books. You have standalone characters. You have crossovers where a character from another comic will come in like and play a role in that other character's comic. And then they have um, the team-ups in like the Avengers movie. So you have like an Iron Man movie, and then you have uh, a captain america movie but iron man plays a huge role in it and then you have the avengers movies so i think they're going to continue to follow that formula where they have the different standalone characters that star in each other's movies and then they have these team-ups i don't know if they're going to call them the avengers you know these these team-up movies who knows what that's going to be um but they just recently disney just recently got all the rights from fox for fantastic four and x-men and everything that comes along with that so i don't know what phase four is going to look like you know that immediately following infinity war but i i do think that um once they get through this 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 fourth phase as they call it you're going to start seeing x-men and fantastic four and you know those will be the next the new face of the marvel cinematic universe and at that point i mean they're going to be they're going to be you know, 20 years in, <laughs> you know what I mean? When you think about right. it, we're already like 11 or 12 to, to think that. And then it makes you wonder, are they going to do reboots? Are they going to, how are they going to do this? Are they just going to assume that you're totally familiar with the 2008 movie, you know, in 2028, 2029, you know? And so it's really interesting to see, you know, and I've tweeted this a couple of times. Like, I don't know what direction it goes from here. I have a lot of faith that Feige is going to pull it off and do well with it. But even if it tanks, you know, even if they they start coming out, and it's just like uh, they kind of, you know what I mean. It just seems starts to feel like they're just going back to the same wells too often, or, or whatever. Right. What they've done so far, even if you just could firewall these, you know, twenty three movies, um, then that's fine. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm so happy, and sure. it, it, they've already they've already won the Olympics. They've already won the Super Bowl. They've already <laughs> you know they've already achieved what they've achieved. Anything that happens now is just gravy you know so Dell, let me let me ask you i guess one more question though because as you talked about it and i get where you're coming from the x-men fantastic four what that can mean but is there someone on the roster right now that you would say you know who who can be the future of the franchise right and i think when you talk about let's call them the newer faces when you're you've got uh chadwick boseman as black panther 
Of course, you've got Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, Tom Holland as Spider-Man, assuming that Sony and Marvel and Disney continue to, to figure things out there. I mean, is there someone that you say, you know what, this is the one that can kind of carry the mantle for these next five, six, seven, eight years? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, Feige has basically said that it's going to be Captain Marvel, who's going to be become like really the face of it, which kind of... I don't want to say concerns me because it's a movie. I'm not concerned, but like it, it, it interests me because one of my, the, one of the beefs I have with Captain Marvel is she's so powerful. Do you know what I mean? Like she's like, nothing stops her. And you, to tell a story, there has to be stuff in the way of the protagonist and the way she's been re- represented in, in her movie and uh, in, in Endgame, it's, she can do anything. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to to do that if they choose to really make her like the key component. Because the answer so far has been, let's just send her to the other side of the universe because she knows the Avengers are handling it and she has to help other planets and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that. Um, so that's what supposedly he's on the record as, as, as saying. I would love to see more of um, T'Challa in, in Black Panther. I'd love to see, see more of... Of that, I think Black Panther is probably one of my favorite movies in in the MCU. Um, one of my favorite characters, so I'd love to see that. Um, but I don't know. I, I really don't know. You know what they're going to do. I mean, Chris Hemsworth keeps coming back for movies. You know, they they have the the next Thor movie coming out, so he's not going anywhere. So I I don't know. We're gonna have to see. We're gonna have to see. But I I have faith <laughs> that they can pull it off. But even if they don't, I'm happy with what they've accomplished. Well, Dell, it's always great to catch up with you. And honestly, we could probably run through each movie and make this a three-hour podcast. But with that being said, it's probably <laughs> the time for me to let you go. Um, but before I, I do wrap up with you, though, I mean, for everybody listening out there, I mean, why don't you tell them where they can find you know everything you're doing on social, the latest with 26 shirts, just to, to make sure that everybody's following along there as well. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so uh, at Dell Reed, D-E-L-R-E-I-D on Twitter and um, uh, there's a little at 26 shirts and at the bills mafia that the three main places that I kind of hold down in terms of Twitter. And then, you know, there's Facebook pages that follow those same usernames pretty much. Um, in same with Instagram and all that too. So, well, again, I always appreciate the time to catch up. Let's make sure we do it again sometime, uh, sometime soon. Who knows what this off season is going to look like. So, I think for so many of us Bills fans, the more we stay connected and, and keep together, the, uh, the better off we'll all be. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, man. I, you know, apologies to the, 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 the full-on football fans that just had to listen to that much MCU, but uh, thanks for sticking with me <laughs> if you did. <laughs> it's all good, man. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. We'll be back with you next time, and as always, go Bills.